Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. I can't believe that it's actually September. This episode drops on Labor Day here in the U.S. I know we have plans for a self-catered, distantly social gathering with a couple of other families. And then school starts for my daughter tomorrow, um, if you're listening on the day this episode drops, of course. I hope you're all still safe and well. Today, we have another tragedy, uh, Euripides' Hippolytus. This play premiered in 428 BCE at Dionysia and won first prize. Yes, today we have one of the few plays that Euripides wrote that was actually appreciated in his time. Um, I am using Paul Roche's 1998 translation for this episode. Um, Like most Greek tragedies, Hippolytus has a fairly small cast. In addition to our title character of Hippolytus, we have his father, Theseus, and Theseus's wife, Phaedra. Um, The only other named characters are Aphrodite and Artemis, whose names should be familiar to you by this point. There's the usual assortment of servants, a few of whom have speaking roles, but no names. And the chorus... Um, is split into two groups, which um, obviously we haven't seen very much before. One group is a chorus of huntsmen who hang out with Hippolytus, and the other is a chorus of the women of Trozen who hang out with Phaedra. Um, And as you can guess by that, the play is set in Trozen, which um, is the city where Theseus has gone to after being exiled from Athens. Obviously a long story that really it's not important to to this it's just how we wind up with the setting um so it's the place set in Trozen outside the palace of Theseus um the set includes shrines to the aforementioned goddesses because they play a crucial role in Euripides' telling of this myth um I don't think you need much more background on the characters or the source myth because pretty much everything you need to know is explained in the prologue so we'll take a short break before going through the plot A running joke about Greek tragedy is the use of the deus ex machina, and if there's one tragedian who loved the deus ex machina, it's Euripides. So the play opens with Aphrodite floating above the stage. She delivers the prologue. Oh, look, I'm Aphrodite. I'm so awesome. Everybody loves me, and I love everyone who loves me. Uh, But there's this one guy named Hippolytus. His dad is Theseus, and his mom is the Amazon Hippolyta. That's his name, Hippolytus, right? He doesn't love me. He loves Artemis. He took a vow of chastity, and I hate when people do that. You want to know who, what I do to people like that? I punish them. I made his stepmom, Phaedra, fall in love with him. I'll smite Hippolytus by using Phaedra's love. Sure, Phaedra has to die in order for my plan to work, but to make a revenge omelet. Honestly, I really... um can't help but hear the description of this in the voice of Raven from Teen Titans Go. Um, Tells you what my daughter and I have been watching. Anyway, (laughs) Aphrodite sees Hippolytus coming and she flies off as he enters accompanied by the men's chorus. They praise Artemis and lay wreaths at her shrine. An old servant steps forward and tells Hippolytus that 
maybe it would be a good idea to do the same for Aphrodite, but Hippolytus says that he's simply not interested in anything that she's the goddess of. To each his own, and Aphrodite is not for him. Hippolytus and the men's chorus exit. The servant prays to Aphrodite and begs her to forgive Hippolytus because he's still young and he'll eventually learn to worship all of the gods. He exits and the women's chorus enters. The women sing about how the queen is dying and no one knows the cause. Phaedra and her nurse enter. The nurse has terrible bedside manner and whinges about how nothing she does seems to help even when she does what she's been asked to do. Um, Not that Phaedra is the most pleasant patient, and she too spends a great deal of time whinging about how miserable she is and how she just wants to go and be in nature. Um, The chorus finally gets Phaedra to explain why she's so sick, and it turns out that she is, as Aphrodite has already told us, quite literally lovesick. She longs for her husband's son, but she knows she can't have him. Uh, The nurse is the character most upset by this revelation. Why? I don't know. Um, She's an interesting character. Um, She says that this is clearly a curse from Aphrodite. Duh, we already know that. Aphrodite herself told us. Uh, Phaedra knows that this is probably true, um, and she isn't sure how she's going to get out of this situation without losing her honor, so she's decided to kill herself. The nurse recovers from her shock and tells Phaedra that she thinks the only way to survive this curse is to give into it. She convinces Phaedra that she has the cure in the form of a magic potion. Phaedra tells the nurse that she's afraid the older woman will tell Hippolytus of her feelings. Um, But the nurse convinces her to take the potion. She swears that she's not going to tell him. um, And the nurse exits um, into into the palace, which is also where Hippolytus has gone. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Can you imagine? The chorus sings a prayer, but they're interrupted when Phaedra rushes to the door of the palace and tells them to hush so that she can hear what's happening inside. All she's missing is, you know, a water glass to hold up to her ear, right? The nurse... um, Shocker has gone straight to Hippolytus and told him that his stepmom is in love with him. I know. Did did you totally not see that coming? Um, I, she seemed so trustworthy, didn't she? Yeah. Phaedra relays the argument um, that is occurring off stage. So like she's listening and telling the chorus what the nurse is saying and what Hippolytus is saying, and, and it, this goes. It, it is not long, um, though. You know, eventually this argument just bursts onto onto the scene, and um, and Hippolytus and the nurse enter, still still arguing and yelling at each other. Um, and Hippolyta Hippolytus goes on an absolute diatribe. Um, I, mm, misogyny much? He ends. Um, yeah. Oh, it's it. Mm. He does not, he, he does not like women, which is interesting. His mother is an Amazon, but um, yeah, no, he's, oh, I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, anyway, he ends his tirade by saying that he's going to run away, basically. Um, he's going away until his dad gets home because he does not want to be in the situation, which is a probably a wise move, right? To, to leave Trozen, so... He's nowhere near Phaedra. Keep them both safe until Theseus comes back and they can sort the whole thing out. 
Um, did I forget to mention that Theseus is off on an errand? He's picking up milk or something fun like that. Um, so all of this is taking place while Hippolytus and Phaedra feasibly could get together if either of them were so inclined, which neither of them really are. Um, you know, this cursed love, as much as Phaedra longs for Hippolytus, she is not a woman who would act on those feelings. She is, um, she is honorable and she stay you know she she's true to her husband um as much as it kills her quite literally not to be um hippolytus exits phaedra who had hidden in the shadows when um hippolytus and the nurse burst onto the scene um steps forward and she oh she lays into the nurse because you know she'd promised to keep to keep the her secret and she didn't um they argue and the nurse uh, ultimately apologizes and exits into the palace. Um, Phaedra then tells the chorus that there's only one way out of this mess, um, and and she has to die. She is going to die. Um, but there's only one way for her to die and keep her honor intact, and she exits into the palace as well. The chorus sings about how dangerous love and Aphrodite can be. They are again interrupted by sounds from within the palace. This time, the nurse is screaming about how Phaedra has hanged herself. Um, Theseus enters. He asks what the commotion is about, and he soon learns. Um, But Phaedra hasn't just killed herself. She's left a note, and the note says that Hippolytus took advantage of her, and that is why she has killed herself. Theseus is furious. He calls on Poseidon, who, kind of like Aladdin's genie, owes Theseus three wishes. Um, Theseus would like to use one of them now, and that wish is to destroy his son. The chorus begs him to change his mind and to take the curse back, because they, they know that Phaedra made up this accusation to to maintain her own dignity and honor. Um, it, yeah, oof. Euripides is messed up. Um, but, you know, Theseus refuses. He's not He's not going to take the curse back. Hippolytus enters. Um, at first, he's glad that his dad's home, so he can explain how his stepmom's in love with him. Um, but he soon finds out that Phaedrus killed herself and accused him of rape. Um, and, of course, Hippolytus denies, denies the accusations. Um, because, as we, the audience know, he didn't do anything other than exist. Um, it, it, he never asked for any of this. Um, Theseus and Hippolytus argue in paragraphs. They, like, monologue at each other. Um, and ultimately, Theseus banishes his son. That curse is still hanging over his head, right? Hippolytus exits, pausing to give one last prayer to Artemis. The choruses combine, um, so we have the men and the women singing together, and they sing a very depressing lament, which is saying something, because again, we're talking about Euripides here, most depressed of the three tragedians. Um, A messenger enters and tells Theseus that Hippolytus is dead, or he will be soon. Hippolytus had driven his chariot along the shore on his as he was leaving Trozen, and Poseidon, as requested by Theseus, sent a sea monster which frightened the horses, so chariot accident, um, 
The messenger insists that Hippolytus is innocent, but Theseus doesn't believe him. And he thanks Poseidon for the swift action. He does, however, concede to let the messenger bring Hippolytus back to Trozen and the messenger exits. Um, the women's chorus then sings kind of a CYA song in praise of Aphrodite. After all of this, no, you know, I would be afraid not to worship Aphrodite as well. Um, and then we get a second deus ex machina. You'll remember um, when I was giving you the cast list that there are two gods in this play. And so now, you know, we've already seen Aphrodite at the beginning. Now we have Artemis. Artemis flies in and tells Theseus that Hippolytus is innocent, Phaedra lied, and it's all Aphrodite's fault. Um, Hippolytus is carried on stage, and Artemis brokers peace between father and son and vows that she's going to take care of Aphrodite. Hippolytus dies, and the play ends. This is a very philosophical play. Um, there's <laughs> there's a lot of monologuing in this. I, As I was going through it, I was thinking that it was going to be a really long summary, but if, if we're just summarizing the plot, there's a whole lot that can be glossed over because they talk a lot. Um, Phaedra's self-reflection is a straight-up critique of Socrates, um, or Socrates, as Bill and Ted call him. And no, I haven't seen the new movie yet, um, but <laughs> I kind of want to because it sounds like the right length and level of entertainment for my brain right now, um, which makes me want to like rewatch all of the Bill and Ted movies um, that I haven't seen probably since they first came out. Um, anyway, anyway, um, any, the part, the part that stood out to me on, on this reading, um, is of course, no surprise, the part that is still, still true today, um, and shouldn't be, but it is. Phaedra knows that whatever happens, she is the one who will receive the blame for one simple reason, and that's that she's a woman. Um, so if she kills herself because she's in love, um, the presumption will be that she did something that she shouldn't have, no matter how much she may protest that she didn't. So the only way that she can maintain her honor is to make it look like, um, Hippolytus did something against her will. Um, and she's very concerned about maintaining her honor, which, again, women we've talked about were in a very tenuous position. And, and sadly, we still are. Um, whether you're cisgender or transgender, women are in precarious positions. Um, and honor is something that we've talked a lot about. But we've always talked about it in, in this school, in Triumvir Clio's school. We've talked about it in the context of men. And as someone who is generally a feminist scholar when looking at this ancient stuff, it is interesting <laughs> that I've focused so much on honor and glory for men, but we haven't really talked about what honor means to a woman. Um, in Phaedra's honor, it's completely different than what um, what we've talked about before. Um, I mean, she has not acted on her feelings. She has, like, been starving herself to death. Um, because she's in love, knowing that, knowing that she cannot act on her feelings. But that doesn't matter. Um, what matters is the perception of whether or not she has. 
And once her feelings are made public, her behavior is suspect. It doesn't matter what she does, what she says. Um, The only way for her to keep her honor is to arrange it to look like any suspected relationship was not consensual on her part. And the only honorable way out of having been taken advantage of is death. So it's it's messed up. It really is. Um, And... Well, most women, at least, you know, in, say, the United States might not have that take. There are still many parts of the world where the perception of dishonor is as good as a death sentence. Um, And that's what we're seeing with Phaedra here. Um, Hippolytus is also an interesting case when we're looking at honor. He worships Artemis. Um, he's a man. Men don't typically worship the virgin goddess of the hunt, but Hippolytus does. He is a total misogynist. We see that in his speech, but his personal strides towards his personal view of honor are what's expected of women, not men. This whole virginity thing that that's great for women women are supposed to take vows like that but men no men don't do that but Hippolytus does and this is the life that he's chosen for himself um so again it's 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 weird I I, I, you guys don't well some of you Maria Maria and JJ you might know yeah what yeah I'm just going to say something you two will laugh because you will know who I'm talking about. I don't know, guys. It's weird. Um, it's weird. One of our classmates, that was his basic response <laughs> to stuff. And he was he was from New Orleans. And so he had, you know, this little Cajun accent. And it's weird, guys. It's weird. Anyway, um, that is a, a major tangent for the, the handful of people who were seniors in Loyola's class of 2000 classics department, which was like six of us. So um, those of you who have found my podcast or are still friends with me on Facebook and know about it, you can appreciate that. Laugh laugh at, at nostalgia. Um, anyway, what, what do you think about Phaedra and Hippolytus? Um, what about Theseus? I didn't talk much about the role of the gods, but what do you think about Aphrodite and Artemis? Um, Come share your thoughts on the blog, please. I'd love to get some discussion going there. The link, as always, is in the show notes. If for some reason it's not working, let me know. I do these things in advance, and I'm never positive that the hyperlink that I've put in is going to work once it goes live. Um, So... So feel free to let me know if something something's broken. Um, on Wednesday, we will continue our journey through the Odyssey with book two. I'll talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.